Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Objective, the show where we get to choose our own outfits. Now, every time I see my own reflection wearing this particular getup, I start to get angry. And then I remember I chose this. This was my I volunteered to wear this um, when we spoke about what we'll do when we reach a thousand subscribers. We got, I mean, we, we got Lord Emperor, producer Rozzy behind the scenes, uh, to, who gets, a I guess, a little bit of credit. Obviously, I'll take a lot of the credit. Uh, Nikos Sotirakopoulos, he, you know, he, he, he helped. And uh, our various other hosts and guests on the series. This has been an interesting little unexpected um, source of joy in my life. I enjoy it. It's morning time here when we broadcast. I like... Uh, you know, my, my mind is racing every morning and the, the issues are coming out of social media and all of that. I find out the topic we're talking about and get on the air and get to uh, run my mouth a little bit, a.k.a. Uh, speak the truth to power. Anyway, uh, it, the, the favorite part for me is always the introduction because I get to make up stuff off the top of my head and see if my subconscious sent me something coherent this morning. Today, we're going to be talking about transhumanism. I don't actually entirely understand the topic, but as always, you decide the topic, pointing to my co-host and the producer, <laughs> and I'll talk about it. But I can't do it alone. Believe me, today that is more true than ever. I can't do it alone, but we luckily have a guy who's been called the last of the Greeks or the first of their return. A man whose name I have now mastered at pronouncing, Nikos Sotirakopoulos. I think the day when we're gonna reverse aging is gonna be is gonna come sooner than the day you're gonna pronounce my name. Anyway, so again, many thanks to to the people who support the show. We promised a special attire today. We delivered. But even more interesting than the attire, believe me, is gonna be the topic. So transhumanism is perhaps one of the things that I find the most exciting as a prospect. So first of all, what is transhumanism is? It is the idea that human beings using technology can go beyond what is considered biologically at the moment possible. This could mean uh, living longer. This could mean fighting diseases that at the moment we cannot fight. This could mean expanding to space and colonizing space. And ultimately, this could mean reversing or, okay, let's not go that far, uh, postponing as long as possible. And some people even talk about the possibility of reversing death itself. So I want to focus today on two things. First, what does this mean philosophically? And, the, and should this prospect makes us excited. But also what I find depressing is why this vision does not enjoy much popular support in the culture. And I'm going to expand on all this. But though it's unusual for a show by students of objectivism, I will start by reading something from the Bible. So Matthew 11, 5, quote, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, this is someone 
I'm not good in religious history. Was Matthew an apostle, right? A student of God, right? Uh, of Christ, right? Yeah. So here we have someone who wants to make the case for how awesome Jesus Christ is and how uh, how absolutely out of this world his miracles are. And he points out some events, some 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 things that can only be considered miracle done by someone who is the son of God. And we find ourselves in 2020, most of these things, blind, blind people being able to see, people who had have horrible accidents or other problems being able to walk when they were not able to walk. Uh, leprosy is indeed cured. Indeed, you can you can plug things to people's brain and to, and they can hear, although they had they could not hear at all. We still haven't raised the dead, and the good news it says is proclaimed to the poor. And these kind of technologies are more and more and more and more accessible. So my first point is what was considered the province, and let's say what was considered the sphere of godly intervention now is done by human beings, and yet we find ourselves my friends, with people claiming that humanity is a virus, that we are the virus, or humanity is a plague on earth, right? So first comment, how do you see this prospect of this technology going further and further and further and further and reaching perhaps the point when me, being a human is not even the same as what we now understand being a human? Good question. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, you know, I, that, that whole uh, Bible quote, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you can learn a lot about the philosophy of ancient people by reading their most uh, important writings, such as religious documents. I mean, you learn about how they see human beings. I mean, the, the Garden of Eden, of course, uh, says a lot about the way people uh, see the, the role of the mind, the role of reason, right? Like life was blissfully ignorant and effortless. And then the uh, tree of knowledge, or maybe, maybe knowledge is not a perfect translation of what it originally said, but maybe it's the tree of logic or the tree of reason or something. It's, it's the conceptual uh, faculty that I think is basically being alluded to in the story of the Garden of Eden and the forbidden fruit. So, um, you know, when you hear Jesus saying, oh, the blind will be cured and the poor will be given the good news. Look, we can have heaven on earth. This is what enlightenment thinkers realized, I think. And this is kind of what the modern world kind of signifies. We can have heaven on earth and beyond. We can have things that Jesus never dreamed possible. So we can cure blindness in some cases today. And I think in all cases, hypothetically, we can cure blindness. Same with any other thing. I mean, we can prevent mental, uh, you know, defective births. We can prevent genetic problems and we can uh, cure the ones that people have. I mean, technology is a magnificent thing. All we really need is liberty. You know, that is capitalism and uh, reason, which, you know, it kind of, I think, is the, uh, the sort of epistemological corollary of capitalism. The two, they go together and uh, the obstruction of one will lead to the loss of the other. So uh, that's what comes to mind with, you know, Jesus talking about, and the, the blind will be cured. Does he really want the blind to be cured? Do Christians, do, do, do all types of mystics really want the blind to be cured? Because we don't need God's help for that. You know, 
We don't need anyone's help for that. We just need to be unshackled. Now, uh, in terms of what does this say about what it means to be a person, that's an interesting question. I mean, when if 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 man achieves Im- immortality, uh, is he still man? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, why? I mean, man used to live till age, you know, nineteen on average, and then that became thirty on average. Today, it's I don't know, seventy-five, eighty on average. No reason it can't be hundred and twenty within a short amount of time and then maybe it could just be prolonged death can be just be kicked down the road indefinitely hypothetically if technology uh is properly developed so um, we since you since since we mentioned the uh, what it would mean of course uh, we will get also to the famous Ayn Rand's thought experiment with the robot uh, and whether a robot who does not need to do something to remain in life needs to pursue values but before we get of that to that, let's give a bit more context to the people who don't uh, understand, are not familiar with uh, transhumanism. Let let's let us give some examples of what let's say the transhumanist vision is. By the way, uh, as uh, since we have one thousand uh, subscribers, people can ask questions and also super chat questions. Let's say this will go through Razi. So because I haven't got the screen of YouTube, so Razi, if you spot a, a question please send it, put it on the chat or send it to me on, on Slack and we'll read it. So here are some things that have been uh, suggested. Now, whether they work, it's, it's, it's a question. The one is the so-called cryonics. This means that until we find some cures, you freeze your body. So let's say you knock on wood, you have a, a bad disease, you freeze your body, and then you hope that at some point there's this technology and they, it, it gets unfreezed. Uh, another thing is the idea that you can map your brain so it, it can get, let's say, uploaded somewhere. And this can then, let's say, where your body is not there, then your consciousness can be, quote, uploaded to a different to a different world. Obviously, take this with not only with pinches of salt. Take this is with, like, all the south of the ocean. I'm just saying the idea. And here's though what is the most interesting thing for me in this discussion. Shouldn't everyone be excited at least at the prospect? And the answer is no. And actually, one of the main reasons I left the left is because I was so excited when I first discovered this thing. And when I realized how uninterested the leftists were on this vision, I got very disillusioned. So... If people go to a previous episode, which I think was called Progressives Against Progress, I talked about the early Bolsheviks and these Promethean visions they have. And I remember having a discussion about transhumanism with a friend who is, a, let's say, a new leftist. And his first reaction was, but if this is the case, if we all live longer, what's going to happen to the environment? There's going to be an overpopulation. Or you talk to someone else and they're going to say, but what is going to happen to the pension system? So here, people, we offer like the biggest vision in the history of humanity and the statist. The problem is what's going to happen? What's going to happen with the state system? Like, do you need any other proof that statism and the ideology and the philosophy that goes hand in hand with it is a hindrance to progress? Here's another one. Only the rich will benefit from it. Therefore, it's going to be something like eugenics. And 
last point and then I go back to Raka. Uh, I've been teaching transhumanism in related modules at the university for years. First of all, just to make something clear, I don't consider myself a part of the transhumanist movement because that's like a package deal. There's some people that I don't really like there anyway, but I like the vision. So at the end of the lecture, every time, all the students are like, oh my God, that's so cool. But at the end, I'm asking, the, I'm giving them a task. And the task is, if you were, let's say, in a morality committee and you had to approve or disapprove a crazy visionary billionaire who wants to do experiments with transhumanism and crayonics or these things, the vast, 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 vast majority of the students vote, no, this shouldn't be allowed because of all the dangers. And that's so disheartening. But at the same time, it says something about uh, the, let's say, the dominant ideology here. So, Raka, even if technologically we get there, do you think that the intellectual atmosphere is ripe for such a big vision? Not really. I mean, you know, Albert Einstein said something like, it's become clear that our technology has surpassed our humanity. And uh, what we have in the modern world is like we have Aristotle's uh, science, like we have his, his methods used to develop magnificent technology, but philosophically in the more fundamental levels um, or in the level in the, the, the aspects of philosophy that pertain to consciousness and ethics we're largely uh, not not entirely out of the dark ages, and I think some would say we've uh, we've worked our way out of you know back back into the dark ages and back into primitive um, life in the jungle. But um, that you know it's 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 loaded. It's complex the state of the world. But um, but what we do have is we have a a magnificent development of technology, but a a culture of thinkers that. They're not entirely sure how to feel about it. Like, is this moral? Is this like, how is this compatible with altruism? It can only be moral, so to speak, if it's benefiting everyone, the downtrodden, especially like it can't just be available to the rich right away. It can't only be available at first to literally the people who invested in it and invented it. How selfish is that of them to, to use it first um, and then to sell it? to sell it for commercial profit. Um, the, the nicest thing leftists ever say about technology is that it'll, it will eliminate the need for money. You know, you, look, you turn on a show like Star Trek and that's all you see. You see uh, them looking back, oh, remember when we used money? Do you remember when we used to go to war over a difference of opinion with regards to economics? Like that's how they would describe the Cold War on the show Star Trek. Do you remember when we used to go to war over things like a difference of, a, of economic policy? Okay, uh, another episode is in order about Star Trek and, and a lot of other shows. But, um, but, uh, but I mean, but there is a, always a kernel of truth to look at. And the kernel of truth here, the, the, the sort of uh, point of agreement I have with some of those leftists and generally people that are apprehensive and that I have with Albert Einstein saying our technology has surpassed our humanity, even though he probably meant it a little differently uh, than I do, is that we have socialism, but we're going to extend life indefinitely, right? So we've got social security, we've got welfare states, we've got everyone needs to be fed by the government. But at a certain point, we will just have like more people than, than rich, than like productive people able to feed. <laughs> we, we, will need, we will need to turn to capitalism I mean, look, I hope technology, along with, you know, the objectivist 
uh, efforts in our culture really do inspire people to live up to this technology, to, you know, to, uh, to kind of catch up with the development of technology and embrace a philosophy, embrace an ethics that is compatible with it. Because, you know, the, the type of um, philosophic culture we, mo we largely have in the modern world is, is, is it's leading to a, po a politics that is falling apart at the seams. It is not compatible with, you know, extended life. So it's uh, it's troublesome. But also, in sorry, I know. Well, you know, you 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 got a lot off your chest. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take take one more moment here. Um, you know, I mean, Yaron uh, uh, Brooks' recent discussion with Lex Fried Friedman um, raised the issue that like a lot of things like artificial intelligence they're not quite going to be able to get started on really discovering stuff until they have a good epistemology, like until they really understand like what is consciousness, what is objectivity. And I would say um, like on questions of like, well, what will, what is it to be a person? If you, if you upload your memories and your, your values onto a chip and then put it into a machine, is that machine now you, I mean, these are philosophic questions. These are deep philosophical questions. And, philosophers, they get down to the fundamentals. And if we're living in a time when people think that consciousness is something you can kind of give a robot, um, it's not exactly right. Now, it is possible to develop a robot that is exactly like a person, but now it's no longer a robot. Now it's, it's a person made out of, it's an artificial person. If it, if, it, if it experiences things the same way that I do, if it looks at an object and says, oh, this object is black, how do I feel about the color black? You know, how do I feel about the shape of this? How do I, you know, what's my judgment of all this? What do I want? What am I, what gives me pleasure? What gives me pain? If it's basically a replica of a person, but it's artificial, we could just basically start calling it a type of person. What isn't possible, what is absolutely impossible and cannot be conceived as far as I am concerned, is the type of robot that Rand uh, spoke about in the objectivist ethics that is indestructible and needs nothing. That I don't think is, is, is coherent. And I think Rand's point was that it's impossible because there's no such thing as a machine or, or, a, or a type of life or anything that needs nothing and um, want like, you know, the, the type of robot that Rand describes. Right. Back to you, sir. Okay, well, we're going to end up with two thought experiments. But before that, something, the thing I like a lot to, about people like Lex Friedman is at least they grapple with these questions. And I remember how disappointed I was when I read one of Dan Brown's, you know, the Da Vinci Code uh, line of books. And in one of his latest books, I'm not going to tell which one because it's probably a spoiler, the villain is a transhumanist. So the idea is that there's this person, this crazy genius, which is what transhumanists are. So, yeah, that was, that was very, very sad. Now, on the robot question. So I was thinking about it because it's the one pill in objectivism that's for me still very difficult to swallow. The idea that if you cannot, if there is not... So what does objectivism say? The main, the, the, the main alternative is life or death. If this alternative is not there anymore, there is no reason to pursue values. <sighs> okay, I was thinking, for example, that's a, not a real example, but one of my favorite romantic heroes, which is obviously Dracula, specifically from the Coppola film, 
Now, Dracula is technically not indestructible, so he has to I don't, drink blood. And I think if you, you know, if you uh, stab him in the heart, he could die. But he's close to something indestructible. He's passionately after values. He has this brilliant line. He's he's chasing Mina literally throughout the centuries, and he's telling her, "I've crossed oceans of time to find you." So I could. So if someone instead of a super chat would come and me and say, "Nikos, here's the pill." that's gonna regenerate yourselves, whatever. I don't think my life would be that different. Okay, I would change smoke if I wouldn't care about the possibility of uh, getting bad things, but isn't, is, I don't know, it's impossible to imagine what it would mean not to have the possibility of death, but- It's not just that you can't, it's not just that you can't die, it's that you can't be destruct, like hurt, hurt. I mean, this, this robot, it's, it's, I mean, Dracula wishes he was on this robot's level. So the type of indestructible robot Rand writes about, like, needs nothing and cannot be harmed. So, like, that's, that's the point, is that it's completely indestructible, which you can only, you can only uh, visualize as a mystical creature, I think. So the angels, you know, God's angels are indestructible, although God can destroy them, but they still are indestructible on earth by, by mere mortals. And when Lot, you know, Lot or Lot, when he turned around running away from Sodom, he turned around, he looked at the angels, he turned himself, he became a pillar of salt. So you were talking about take a pinch of salt, a mountain of salt. He became actual salt when he tried looking at these indestructible beings because you right. know what? So basically maybe then- Maybe that was metaphorical because those types of indestructible spiritual ghosts are impossible. So basically what we're saying here, then if I understood well what you said, is that we're, we would still be within the realm of something that still needs to pursue values because there is a, a, there is a course of action that is to be taken, even if you have, you know, even if everything that you know about your, let's quote, vulnerability or your meta- existential situation changes, you're still in need to pursue things because you still need to do stuff to go through maybe the centuries or to cross the oceans of time to use that line again so you still need to do stuff you need to take action am i right yeah wait yeah you need to take action well look so by the dracula is uh he's not immortal at all he's just he's he died and now he's like alive again in a different form he drinks blood he sleeps in the daytime he can die if you stab him in the heart I mean, he, it's like uh, somebody took the idea of life and gave and changed, and changed some features of it. But um, So he's not the original transhumanist? No. Well, he, he might be. He, he's, he's sort of, quote, realistic enough for us to imagine replicating. But, but the type of indestructible robot that Rand writes about, I think, is, um, right. does it's not apply difference. here. And, uh, so also, last pa- question then. Well, Pablo in the chat room says it was Lot's wife, not Lot. So, uh, so we stand, I stand corrected. I I'm all for starting the episode over because of that mistake. I, uh, I apologize. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking on Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. Back to you. So here's the last question. First of all, imagine, and uh, probably that's more for the selfish lovers series, but imagine what it would mean, for example, for things like marriage, if you live till 200, it's like, uh, do you take this wife uh, for uh, the next 130 years? Or what would it mean to say, she's the love of my life? Like, the love of... But anyway, l- I want to, to ask this question. 
if there was the realistic possibility, not the realistic possibility, if the price was not ridiculously high, would you rather the cryonics things, which would mean potentially that you, let's say your body starts not being at the perfect situation that it is now, let's say in 30, 40, 50 years, you say, okay, I'll take the, I'll take the bet. Put me to sleep and wake me up when all this is sorted out, I can be young again, whatever. But think about it this way. When you wake up, you're in a different era. You don't know anyone and you don't have your parents to take you by the hand. Would you take it? Yes or no? I'm confused with what? If you had the chance to freeze your body, so oh. technically you haven't died, and then they wake you up from the freezing when mm -hmm. there is, let's say, a way to make you young again, or if you have knock on wood a disease when they found a cure, would you take this that you go to, let's say, a hiatus, how it's called, you sleep for, let's say, 80 years, and you leave a will that says, wake me up when you find the cure. And when they find the cure, they wake you up. You're in a completely new world. You don't know anyone, but you have more life in front of you. Maybe 150 more years. Would you take it? No. Who's going to co-host the daily objective? <laughs> okay. Uh, that's the best. Uh, th okay. That's super. Were cute. you asking me before if an immortal being would still need to eat? Was that what you were asking me a few minutes ago? Do you remember when I was like hesitant, reluctant, or anyway, maybe we can watch. No, it was more about taking action. But what mm -hmm. I mean is, would you, would you take the bet of saying that there might be something more than, quote, this life, though it's not an afterlife, it's a life where I come back when the technology is better? Because again, to give some context to the audience, that's what the whole cryonics, and I'm not even sure if I pronounce it well, thing is, which is, you pay at the at the moment the price is tens of thousands of dollars so you pay you get frozen there is no technology at the moment to successfully what's the term unfreeze you but the idea is you hope that by the time you can still remain in a frozen situation there is a technology and then you wake up if no. you google it you can see also the people who offer these services and there are some super rich uh, who are considered ascending, who are taking. So why wouldn't you take it? I, I've got stuff I'm working on. I want to, like, I'm, I'm engaged with the culture here. Like, I'm reading books. I'm, I'm, I've got appointments I need to make. Like, what, what would I do in 80 years? Oh, I guess the idea is then I can live longer. I mean, look, I don't know. No, I'm, not in, I'm not into that. I don't want to do that. I also don't want to go to another planet where I can, where the air tastes like sugar. I don't want to do anything. I want to live here. And I want capitalism. That's that's the change I'm asking for. Yeah, but uh, what if? Okay, but what if? Again, knock on wood. Someone tells you, look, you have this. You have only let's say a few years in, or less. So you either even then you wouldn't be tempted. Maybe if I if I'm how would they know how long I have unless I have a terminal illness, which is a completely different perspective on my life than if I if it's an open question. So. These hypothetical questions are, um, I don't think they're that, that interesting, honestly. Um, and uh, like every one of these questions, it's like, well, what would it mean for marriage if you can live till 200? I mean, what does marriage mean today in the modern world when people do live often to, a, to 100 and people have a quality of life that enables them to sort of outgrow each other at, in a way that maybe they didn't 
in the old, old order of things. I mean, the, the sort of implications of something like marriage are ever changing. So there's a lot that would sort of change with the culture. But I mean, ultimately, a, a philosophy that is sort of compatible with this type of technology is required. Uh, or else it's all just going to fall apart. You know, technology itself is here to serve us, but we need to uh, we need to continue to obey nature in order to continue commanding it. Yeah, I don't see a contradiction between that and all the premises of this idea of overcoming the limits, but that's another discussion. What I'm keeping from this episode is your commitment that you wouldn't want to go to a different planet if it wouldn't include co-hosting the daily objective with me. That's super sweet. Thank you very much. Do we have any parting words for our audience? Something like, we're going to tell you what we're going to do when we reach 2,000 subscribers. We haven't decided yet. It's going to Now it has to be a level up from the fedora and the leather jacket, but we're going to figure it out. So any parting words, Raga? Uh, next time you're going to wear something stupid and I'm going to wear something cool. Um, and also I'm generally not that interested in going to Mars. I know people are like signing up, hoping to get to be selected to go to Mars. Isn't that like decades of your life? Basically, like you're, you're, you're going to dedicate your life to visiting Mars. What the hell are you going to do over there? I know I'm a simpleton. Everybody except for me is fascinated by NASA, by rocket ships. When Elon Musk sends something into space, it's like everybody's favorite video to watch for me. I'm, I'm into art. I'm, I'd rather watch Star Trek. I'd rather watch Mr. Spock fly into space than watch it actually happen in reality. Does that make me a Philistine or does that make me a lover of the arts? I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm, I just, I've never been that interested in, um, in this whole prospect of like leaving the earth and going out into space. I mean, I'm sure it would be a, a hell of a way to spend, uh, you know, to spend some time if given the opportunity to go to space and return. But the idea of like going to another planet, it's all you. I'm, I'm, I'm not done with this planet right here. So people, as you can see, the, the team of the Daily Objective is split on the prospect of transhumanism. So again, if anyone wants to offer like a super biohacking secret, go to me. Don't go to Raga. I'm a bit more uh, invested in it. Okay, so thanks everyone. Again, thanks to our viewers, to the people who made the show grow to 1,000 subscribers. Obviously, thanks to Razi, who is putting all the work behind the scenes. Okay, enough with thanking each other. We're going to see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.